son, you see it right there on the news. You see the hillside that is smoking. And you're going, this cannot be true. There's no way. And so when I was watching the news, like all of us, we were thinking, oh, okay, how did this happen? Who was on the plane? He has a beautiful family. He has children. He has all of this. And we kind of play it in our heads, don't we? And then the later on in the news, we find out his daughter Gigi was on a plane who was only 13 years old. And that just kills me when children do not live the life to the fullness. And then she had two other friends at the same age. Two other family members, all on board, were nine people that passed away. It's a gut and a punch. It's a punch, punch in the gut, excuse me. But what's interesting to me that as a country, we are more successful, we have success, we are very successful as a country, but success does not necessarily unify us together. Have you noticed that? When you hear somebody succeeding or you hear something, we go thankful, but it doesn't bring us together. But yet what brings us together, and I think what creates us, how God has created us, is that grief brings us together. It's interesting that the, uh, that the Lakers, when they won the championship, the one day there was a huge parade of thousands of people, but yet when Kobe Bryant passes away, there's thousands of people every day for a straight week down at Staples Center. Because success does not necessarily bring us together, but grief does. And you know what's really fascinating about this? Oh, you need, oh it's not off? Oh, it is off. Then why did you tell me you could hear me? Because you could. Now I don't need to yell. You would think a simple thing. Just one switch, Pastor. That's all you have to do. One switch. Turn the microphone on. That's it. But you know what's interesting? What I've noticed? That all the crowds down at Staples Center are racially mixed. Not only does grief brings us together, but racially it brought us together which fascinates me in the way we live now, that how does this work? Is we all have a common thing of grief. See, look on the screen. Tragedy often has an effect on causing us to think about what is really important. What does it mean to live a good life? And are we living such a life in ourselves? Now, I know I, I, I think of this, this in my you know, my family thinks I'm crazy, but I always think this, that every day is a gift from God to use it wisely. And I say this all the time to you guys. 
But if that now those nine people realized that this day was the last day that they were going to be on earth, would they have done something different? If today was the last day on earth for me, would I be doing something different? Would I be holding on to something? Would I be calling someone that I haven't called? Shaq, if you heard about Shaq, man, he just made restitution with everybody that he was holding on to or letting go. Because that's what he did. He just realized it's a gift. Every day is a gift. When someone who has lots of money and wealth like Kobe suddenly passes away, it starts to make us think, what are we doing with our wealth? What are we doing with our resources? What are we doing with our talent? Now, I didn't know Kobe personally, but I know that he was in his second part of his life. That a part of a family was vitally important to him. Helping children was vitally important. Mentoring his daughter in basketball was vitally important to him. We see all over the place that he spent time with children that were having cancer, spent time in teaching people how to play basketball and doing selfie after selfie after selfie with fans of his. You see, in the end, it was interesting to me. Nobody said, look what Kobe drove. What a nice car. Look at Kobe's home. Look at this. They never talked about that. But it's all about relationships. It's all about investing into people that all of a sudden we say, look on what he's doing. And the same thing for us. I don't own a helicopter. I don't own a fancy home. I don't own a Bentley. But am I, are you investing into people's lives? It's funny because it's the little moments that were so important to him. When you looked on his Instagram picture and it was his little daughter when he was playing with her or his children or his family or sick children that had cancer. And he took time, and I think this is the same for us. Are we living the lives that God has called us to live? Or are we so narcissistic, self-centered, that we're just living on our own bubble, but are we all reaching out to what God has called us to be? Look on the screen, and it's not the big accomplishments or the size of our bank accounts or all the stuff that we own, rather than it's then it is all the little things done with great love. It is when we show up fully present to each moment, bringing the best of ourselves. When we are fully present for the moment, we bring God's presence into any situation. It is all of those fully present moments of which we bring a compassionate heart with a gratitude for all we have been given graciously and to give to others. It's really pretty simple. The Old Testament that we read this morning, man, it just tells you what you need to do. I love it. Just give me the simple things. And let, let me read it for you. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He told you, O mortal, which means we're not living forever, does it? What is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Now today I talked to uh, this series, I'm talking about the three G's and how we can connect the three G's when it comes to our resources, when it comes to our finances. The first one is grace. Thank God, God for grace. That's why we have that little sign up that says, this is no judgment, only love. 
Grace keeps us humble when we are aware that all that we have is a gift from God. How can we not be humble? What did we or can we achieve on our own? Nothing. All we can do is say thank you. The other one we learned about gratitude. Man, gratitude is not natural for us, is it? To be thankful. In fact, David Rast said this. He was a Christian monk. He said, the root of grateful, gratefulness, it is not joy that makes us grateful, but it's grateful that makes us joyful. I mean, think about that. If you have the absence of joy, I promise you, you have the absence of gratitude. You really do. And if you want a quick cure to sadness, it's gratitude. I'm 57 years old. Every day is a gift. I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. But we need to live as this day is a great day for us. Start to focus on God's grace, which all of us need to understand. That's where the deep joy comes from, the grace. Do you remember this lady that used to go to our church? Peggy. Remember following Peggy? Now, Peggy passed away at 39 years old of cancer. And now, if you remember back then, we had a haircutting ceremony where we cut her hair and cut Paul's hair. And my wife was wanting to cut her hair in solidarity. And I go, no, <laughs> we can be solid. We can, we can support her other ways, <laughs> okay? But she chose joy. She chose to make a decision that every day she's going to choose joy. And she made what's called the joy jar, if you don't remember. The joy jar she shared with us was every day that she would think of something that brought her joy and then write it down and put it into a jar. And then at the moments of those chemotherapy, the moments she thought she was going to lose her life, she took the things out of the joy jar and read them. And she emphasized that joy is a choice. I miss her greatly. I miss her a lot. She was a vital part of the church and an important part of Jennifer and I's friendship as well. See, back on the screen, when we are grateful for all the ways, big and small, God gives us grace, that leads us to the third G, which is giving. You're not giving when you're in a pisser mood. You're not going, let me pay the bill. Because you can't do that without joy, without grace, without gratefulness. See, all those line up, that leads to grace, leads up to gratefulness. Grateful it leads up to experiencing joy. And when we're men and women of a grateful heart, of a joyful heart, then giving becomes a natural process of who we are. It's not about us anymore. In fact, if you look on the screen, grace leads to gratitude, which leads to giving. Simple little steps, but man, it's hard to do. Let's go back to Micah. Let me show you this again. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly 
with you, God. How do we do justice? We love kind. We love kindness through giving, not just money, but in our times, in our talents. When we see injustice, we go for it. We don't care about ourselves. We don't care about, it's not, it's not affecting me. Oh, it's affecting you. And so follow me on the screen. Giving is not just tithing 10% to a church or tossing out handouts. It is grateful sharing of the joy we have because God has been so generous to us. Each heartbeat and breath we breathe is a gift from God. Our day, our hearts will beat their last beat. Our lungs will breathe their last breath. Those who are grounded in grace and gratitude know that each beat and breath is a gift from God. So they use these precious gifts from God we call life. Wisely for the sake of others. In a way, they keep God's grace in circulation. That reminds me, do you wake up choosing the tense? We all do. The two tents that you have to choose when you wake up in the morning is contentment or discontentment, right? Now, I can wake up in all kinds of moods. I have to choose contentment. I really do. And so there's a famous quote by Gandhi that says this, live simply so others may simply live. It's interesting because there's no place in the world that we have difficulties simply living is here in America. You know, years ago, have you ever had something in your life that just changed who you are? And I, and I would never suggest or recommend to you to do this, but go to Southern Sudan like I did 15 years ago. That will mess you up. Because when I went there, when we went there to start the orphanage, let me, can I be honest with you? white guy was going to save the black people. That's my attitude. And so I went there and said, look, I have the resources, I have the money, I have all this, and I'm going to begin an orphanage because it's about me. To be honest with you. Ooh. Oh, man. I'm telling you. God goes, really? I'm going to humble you. And when we landed, the first thing, not by planning, we ended up in a refugee camp. I was messed up. I wanted to turn the channel off. I did not want to see. And I remember going, God, where are your people? Oh, no, no. I said, God, where are you? And God goes, no. The question is, where are my people? And so I just go, man. And so when we went to the village, we went with the, um, the chief. And we as Americans would love, how can we pray for you? We do that. Let us cover you with prayer. Let's lay our hands on you. And this guy said this, and I'll put it on the screen. You pray for us, and we will pray for you. We are dying physically, but you in America are dying spiritually. We would rather die physically. Isn't that crazy? I've been a pastor for 37 years. I grew up in the church, and my spiritual life was nothing compared to the children in Sudan. You know what the suicide rate is in Sudan? Zero. 
Zero. And you know what? All the times I went to Southern Sudan, I've never experienced more joy in my life with those children, with adults, with the group, than I have in here, even in this church, if I can be real. And it's just incredible if you think about, about, about this. And so how does God choose people that we would not think that would be this prime example in their spiritual walks? And so when you look at scripture like this, for God chooses a foolishness and is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brother and sister. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world things that are not, to reduce to nothing, things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of the life of Jesus Christ. As Peggy chose joy, God chooses the weak. God chooses the brokenness to shame the wise. The Southern Sudanese people had more joy than I've ever experienced, more deeper spirituality than I've ever experienced. In fact, it was interesting. I think Jennifer, I'm not exaggerating, the last day that we were there was 120 degrees. Two white people. And 120 degrees, we had these big old hats and all this stuff. We looked ridiculous, but who cared? You know what Jennifer said to me? I want to stay here. I want to stay here because she had more joy than ever before. There was nothing, there was no air conditioning, there weren't any trees, there's no cars, there's nothing. I want to stay here because we felt the love of Christ stronger than we ever felt in our lives. They tapped into something. They tapped into a source of joy that was strong. And if you look on the screen, that is all they had, but they weren't, that was more than enough. And you know what's crazy? It's us. Because I, I was walking on a sidewalk here, and I totally got goosebumps. You know why? Because I wasn't getting bitten by mosquitoes. It wasn't 120 degrees. Who hugs the toilet? Me. Because we didn't have a toilet for 10 days. You hug the things. <laughs> you appreciate the things. Okay? Here's what I suffer from. <laughs> FWP. It's a disease that just came back when I came back from Sudan. It's called first world problems. We all suffer from it. Do you ever listen to yourself complain about things? And you're just going, seriously? This is why I thank God that Jennifer and I don't have children. Because I would go, you and I tomorrow, getting on a flight and we're going to southern Sudan for three months. <laughs> That's what I would do. And like, no, 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 no. So don't tell me about the next game or game and all this stuff. But I want to show you a video. It's an old video. But here, maybe you can relate. This is FWP. Watch this. Every year of every day, thousands of people fall victim to FWP. 
I'm so cold. Starving. Nobody cares about me. Also known as first world problems. I'm so cold. Somebody set the AC to 72. I need it at 73. Starving. Oh, yes. Leftovers. Nobody cares about me. Nobody commented or liked my status. Hi, I'm Ryan Higa. And for just five hours of attention a day, you could help somebody with FWP. Everyone keeps putting so much pressure on me. I don't know what I want for my birthday. I have too much chips for my dip. If I open a new dip, I'll have too much dip for my chips. Why does Apple keep making new iPhones? Now I have to get another one? They've been through so much struggle. The remote's over there. But I'm all the way over here. So much hardship. My iPhone 5 is too big for my skinny jeans. So much attention. 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 I poured my cereal without checking to see if we had milk. We did. So please, show your support and send them this video. And show them how much we care about their FWPs. I bought too many groceries. Now I'll have to make two trips. All you have to do is call the URL 1-800.org and we'll send you the FWP helping kit, which includes a bridge, a straw, and a full cup with a cover. Here's a bridge. Now get over it. Here's a straw. Now suck it up. Here's a full cup. Now shut the full cup. With your help, we can put an end to FWPs and focus on the real problem. Like starving children or homeless people. Because if you're complaining about something as silly as the iPhone 5, just wait till you see the iPhone 6. All this, this is the iPhone 5S. This is the iPhone 6. Okay, you can tell it's not video, but let me give you a hint. Do not say that to your wife when she's having a bad day. Here's a full cup, or here's a straw, or here's a bridge. But you hear the point, don't you? And so follow me on the screen. We, we do not need to change our physical location. We don't need to go to Southern Sudan. We simply need to change the location of our attitude. We are always invited to simply tap back into the source of contentment and joy. The way we do this is to focus on the grace of God, which has given us Christ Jesus. This leads to gratitude, and gratitude leads to free and joyful giving. When all people are free to give joyfully, Everyone will have enough to thrive, both physically and spiritually. You know, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount did a sermon, which is called, the, well, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, but he taught us about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes for me is be that attitude. That's what the Beatitudes is, but the true definition is this. The word Beatitude comes from the Latin word beatus which means happy or blessed. And therefore, when Jesus gave the beatitude, he was describing the good life. He was talking about true happiness and blessing. And so when I look at this, I go, I don't get this. Because when the beatitude of the Sermon on the Mount, the American culture did not exist back then. And so he's talking about the good life as the ones that are blessed. The good life are the ones in, in Africa. The good life are the, the ones that have gone through difficult times back in those days. Now it's interesting when we look at the meek, blessed are the meek, hungered, are the thirst, the, the hungered and thirst for justice. They were the most merciful people. They were the most pure-hearted. And even in the Sudan, they were persecuted for faith. You talk to anyone in southern Sudan, all that we met, 
even the children of the orphanage, they would tell us stories where there was one little brother and sister was shared the story on how they played dead for three days because they went and killed their parents when they were in bed. And they just laid there. We're talking about two children that are under 10 that know how to instantly survive and take care of themselves. But this is where the joy, the persecuted, where I'm looking at how in the world can these people have these attitudes? And it's, it's basically with the Beatitudes is right in line with the joy. So you know what? Because Google is my best friend. I love to, okay, Google. Anytime a conversation, I go, okay, Google. But I decided to Google, if you do this, it's called the American Beatitudes. That's called the American Beatitudes. Now let me read it for you. Blessed are those who have the most stuff, for they shall find prestige and comfort in their things. Blessed are the proud and boastful, for they shall be called true patriots. Blessed are those who hold grudges, for vengeance shall be theirs one day. Blessed are the armed, for they shall, shall be feared and protected from harm. Blessed are the rich, for they shall be envied and have their way with all things. Blessed are those who, are exploit, who exploit the poor and the weak, for unto them all things shall be cheap and made available unto men. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for security above all else, for they shall find peace just over the horizon. Blessed are those who keep the foreigners from theirs shall be a land of free to, dis to discomfort, challenge, and diversity. Blessed are those who ignore desperate cries of their neighbors, for there is the assurance of knowing God's help for those who help themselves. God truly, in 1 Corinthians, God truly chose what is low and despised in this world. Things that are not to reducing to nothing things that are. We need to listen to the voice of contentment, not the voice of discontentment. We need to listen to our faith and grace and gratitude. On the screen, focus on God's grace and you will find gratitude. Gratitude will lead you to contentment and joyful giving. And Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, and I, I read this and I thought it was very fascinating. Kobe and Gigi went to Mass at seven in the morning. I didn't know they were Catholics. They went to church. And they, what they did, they took what's called Eucharist. And if you look on the screen, Eucharist is what we call an act of thanksgiving. Very interesting to me. The center of Eucharist is what we call Holy Communion. Kobe and his daughter took communion together just an hour or so before they went into eternal communion with the Lord. When we have communion, it simply means an act of thanksgiving, an act of gratitude. And God has given us the ultimate grace but when we often forget the effects that communion has on us, when we take communion, and follow me screen, communion brings us into enoughness of God. We remember that it is not about me, but it's about we. What God so freely gives us, we are meant to freely give. The presence of grace of Christ is more than enough to cultivate the contentment in our lives. It touches us and satisfies the longings of our hearts. When we become grateful 
we have been fed by Christ himself. When we have an attitude of gratitude that we realize the priorities is not how much stuff I can get here on earth, but the priorities is who I am, what I'm created to be for this time on earth, that I'm time on earth, that I need to show Christ's love, God's love, his kindness, his justice. I gotta stop judging other people and have true communion on a daily basis with God and with one another. And I want to end this blessing today. And let me tell you this. Why do we do a greeting time before a communion? Is it so we can get our act together and so we can get ready and it's time? If you understand the history of church, the time of greeting is to make restitution with each other before we take communion. It's to realize what we really have to let some of the things go, that I cannot be taking communion if I hate my brother. I can't be doing this. And so communion is a constant reminder of we need to make things right. We need to get things right. And so me, just with the Kobe thing, I made it up with my brother this week. I hadn't talked to him since September. And you know what, it wasn't that bad when you get rid of pride and when you work it out. And so I want to encourage you. I don't think this is a, this death of Colby, I think God's using it in a huge way to bring us together through grief, to realize what we thought was important isn't important, and what we took for granted is important. Every day is a gift. Let's use it wisely. Let's stand up for this blessing and then we'll greet one another and go right into communion. May you find contentment and simplicity in grace so that you experience the good life of walking humbly with your Lord. May you be free to do what is just and to love sharing kindness up to the last beat of your heart and the last breath of your lungs. May God bless you in God's holy word, amen.